Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Well, I love a rainy night. I love a rainy night. I love to hear the thunder. Watch the lightning when it lights up the sky. You know it makes me feel good. Welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. It is a top of the charts Tuesday. We play jams that reach the top of the Billboard charts on this day in history. Thanks to my man Patrick, who uh, the ideal, you know, doing a good job of DJing at top of the charts Tuesday. You can always be a part of the show. Specs text line is the best way to do it. 512-337-3776. That's the number to the Specs text line. In the Twitterverse, you can reach out to us. My man Hardball Harch is that in Twitterverse. Hardball Harch. Patrick Davis said it's Patrick Davis in the Twitterverse. And I'm at Rod Babers in the Twitterverse. All right, got some NFL news, notes, and nuggets to get to. Uh, we'll end the conversation with the Cowboys because we started there last time. So I got a Stephen Jones comment that I want to get to. He was talking at the NFL Combine, which a lot of coaches are talking at the NFL Combine. So we'll get to that. Uh, but speaking of the NFL Combine, a couple of Combine-related stories here. So first one is about Bryce Young. So Mel Kuyper came out and said he's not concerned about Bryce Young's height. Height not an issue for him. He's not a heightist. All right. Uh, <laughs> he is concerned about the weight. Yep. His concern is the weight of Bryce Young. And Bryce Young is not going to throw at the combine, but he'll be measured at the combine, which means they'll get his height and they'll get his weight. He'll do interviews and they'll do medical evaluation, but he's not going to throw at the NFL con- combine. And Kuyper said holding up physically is the key concern. You saw him injured this past year at Alabama. He only started two years, backed up Matt. Uh, the NFL's a different entity. Quarterbacks go down, uh, is what Adam Schefter said. He said he covers it, uh, covers it every week. Injuries to somebody, they're bigger, stronger, more physically imposing than Bryce Young. Holding up, definitely. I put the bar at 195 or 195 or higher for me is what Bryce Young has to do to be QB1. Less than 195, he's QB2. So Adam Schefter saying if he doesn't get to 195 or higher, he's QB2. And also Mel Kuyper saying his biggest concern in making Bryce Young QB1 is holding up physically, which all kind of tracks back to is he going to be heavy enough. Right. And <clears throat> I believe over the last – Darren Jeremiah throughout the stat, over the last 25 years, you go to the last 25 years and you're looking at the quarterback position overall and you're looking at um, quarterbacks who are under – Six foot and under 200 pounds, which right now the speculation that's what Bryce Young is. Todd McShay said he has a scout friend of his who has Bryce Young measured at five, ten and a half. So if you're looking at those two things under six foot, under 200 pounds in the last 25 years of the 301 quarterbacks drafted, only two of them sorry, take that back. Neither, none of the only two of them were drafted, period, but only. Uh, zero of them, none, none of them were drafted in the top 100. So two quarterbacks drafted of 301 in the last 25 years who were under six foot, under 200 pounds, but none of them drafted in the top 100. Hmm. So he would be an outlier, and the, the belief is that you don't draft outliers with high draft picks. Right. So is that why 
<clears throat> people are having so much. I don't think a lot of teams are having reservation because here, here's the thing that I always get upset about. We always pump up the SEC mm-hmm. and how, oh, my God, this is the elite of the elite. This is the best conference you can possibly play in. This is where everybody wants to be. This is top competition. Well, he goes out there and balls against that competition, wins a Heisman Trophy, and now people are questioning <laughs> what he is as a quarterback. That's a good point. I mean, it's ridiculous to me. I know this is the time of it's year where season. all of this. It's silly the, season. It's where crazy things start to happen. We get to hear different stories. Everybody wants to keep uh, football in the conversation, which we're going to do anyway. But when you sit here and it's every single year – Oh, man, I don't know if that's going to play in the NFL. I thought the SEC was the best conference to be challenged in. That's what they tell us. That's what we hear every single year, the propaganda. Here we go. Here it is. Then all of a sudden he goes out there and balls and puts up unbelievable numbers, but I don't know if that's going to play in the <laughs> NFL. <laughs> I'm like, what are we doing, well, man? I mean, when you look at how many quarterbacks actually make it through full seasons these days, you're like, look, the odds are he's going to get hurt. The odds are if he was six foot five, 300 pounds, he would get, get hurt. hurt. Yes. Like Dak Prescott hurt throwing in his throwing hand. Right. There was absolutely. Standing in the pocket. I, he could have been as big as he wanted to be. If your hand hits a helmet and you hurt your thumb, you're going to hurt your thumb. Yes. So, I, like, I get it, but th- there's going to be injuries Patrick no matter Mahomes what. Mahomes played with a busted ankle. He's now, a big guy. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean. And that thing is, I like, I remember seeing Patrick Mahomes at Big 12 Media Days and being like, oh, that's a, that is a thick guy. Yes. Like, he, he, is, is, he is ready to play. Yeah. And so you can say that and go, I think that's a plus, but I wouldn't put it out as this huge negative of, oh, this guy, there's no way he's going to last. Whereas you can go, all right, well, Tua has more things, but he is more prone to concussions, we found out. Yep, he doesn't yep, fall yep, right. Yep. Do you want to see how he falls right? And what we could have seen with, with Tua going in, and we knew there were some injury concerns, was he had an injury that they were like, oh, yeah, this isn't a football. This doesn't look like a football injury. When he had that hip injury and everything, yeah. they, they equated it to a car crash. And you go, okay, well, let's see if we got Bryce Young. Uh, let's, let's look at his film of how he takes hits. And if we think that he takes hits in a way that we think is more conducive to injuries. And then let's try and teach him ways yep. to fall better and prevent injuries. But it, it's silly to me to go, well, we don't think it's worth using a top pick on this guy. Where do you think he's going to go? I don't know, top four. <laughs> exactly. Like, we know he's, he's not going be below four. Exactly. So you can say, well, I don't want to take him over one or two other people. But to pretend you're not going to take him over four or five other quarterbacks is absurd. Yeah, they're basically saying this is the difference between him being QB1 and QB2. That it if is. he's not that if he but, doesn't have the weight that it's like he's too slight that he's going to be QB two instead of QB one and I have a texture display someone says Rod I'm questioning that stat Kyler isn't six foot and he's he's even 175 pounds no that's actually not true Kyler Kyler Murray is listed as over 200 pounds yeah. and so is Baker Mayfield uh, display sooner they're both listed so I don't know what they are but listed is over 200 pounds Rod B was listed at five ten <laughs> when I got to the combine. They were they were mad at me saying I was a liar because I was five eight and a half. I was like, hey, I, hey, I didn't list myself. I, didn't, I don't. I don't get to list. Yeah, I don't get to list my damn self. <laughs> I don't get to make up my own weights and heights. No, the university does that, or the teams do that. So they're listed at over two hundred pounds. Yeah. So the Daniel Jeremiah stat still probably is accurate. Kyler Murray at the combine weighed in at two oh seven. Yeah. So I'm saying like, he's thick. 
He's, he's, he's short, yeah. but he's thick. Yep. I, like I like a lot of my women, right? He's short, <laughs> but he's thick with it. Yes, he's, and this he's is thick. he's built with this it. This is combine weight, exactly. So, so there, this is the, the what we're judging it on it, is a, what yeah. Bryce Young's measurement is versus this measurement. And he won't be. This is a great point, Patrick, because that's not their playing weight. No, it playing is combine weight and what they're listed as are very different. Yep. Yes. And I'll say this: I, that's why I think Bryce Young is not going to throw. I think because he knows my throwing mechanics and my throwing motion will be affected by the. 20 pounds I'm about to add just for the combine alone. Yeah. Right. I'm about to add about right. 15, 20 pounds yep. to this combine. Yep. So Correct. I'll be over 200 pounds. Correct. And then, you know, I don't necessarily want to be throwing. I probably will look, uh, you know, lethargic. I I'll definitely probably... don't want to be running. Exactly. Right. When I'm extra fit. So what he's going to do is go to the combine, weigh in, and then he'll lose 15 pounds or whatever for his pro day. And that's when you'll see him throw. And that's when he'll probably run and do some drills or whatever. Because. Yep. 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 You know what they want him to weigh in at. He can do. He can meet them halfway, but he's not going to perform at yeah. that point because it's not his playing weight. Yeah, mm-hmm. playing weight and listing weight very different weights. It's like the weight your woman tells you she is and her actual weight. <laughs> like she's got a weight that she probably tells you is and then what her actual weight is. And you know what? You shouldn't care. Yeah, as, yep, long, yep. As, she, as long as she she is, love me exactly. She love me. As long as she and is fulfilling her. the duties of being a, a damn good wife and partner, you shouldn't give a damn. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And that's kind of why I went with the NFL and their slight and height issue with Bryce Young. Very interesting, though, we were talking about this stuff. Yeah. Um, okay. Because they're going to continue to bring and, it and, up. And, oh, and, again, no and again, please, if your coverage of this, and if you're a draft expert, because I'm not a draft expert, if you're a draft expert and your reason to not take Bryce Young <laughs> is because he's too small and you can't tell me C.J. Stroud is a better quarterback, then I don't care to hear it. Because I still don't hear <laughs> anything about C.J. Stroud being the better quarterback. No one is talking about him no. at all. He is just He's just sitting there at two, and not one person has explained to me why he's a better quarterback than Bryce Young. No, you're right. Other than, well, you know, he's bigger. No. That's it. No. And, and I know he's a good quarterback, but at least let's talk about him a little bit in this discussion if we're going to say, oh, he's, he's QB2 because he's too small. Why is he QB1 then? It is a consensus among Todd McShay, Mel Kuyper, Daniel Jeremiah, Lance. I mean, any yeah. any draft expert yeah. that you want to throw out there, they've all said, "Oh no, Bryce Young's a really better quarterback." The big concern is whether he has the the the, the, the physical bulk, girth, whatever, to be durable enough right. to withstand seventeen games in the NFL. Yeah, that's so, the biggest issue. So we also know C.J. Stroud most likely will play less full seasons than full seasons because that is the way the NFL. You usually miss at least one game in a season. So just on average of NFL QBs, that he'll probably do that. So we know that for him, too. Yeah. It, he's not impervious to injuries. Yeah, no, C.J. Stroud, this is actually helping C.J. Stroud because, we, like you said, the valuation critiques have not been as harsh against him because everything's yeah. about Bryce Young. So he's got to just kind of floating between the raindrops here. No, Will Levis has got to be loving it because he's he like, I point. should be getting picked apart right <laughs> now. Is, yeah. But they're worried about him being skinny. Even Anthony Richardson is loving it because we should be focused on people are saying, oh, he's going to be in the big top 15. People are like, top 15 pick. We should be picking apart Anthony Richardson's game. Nobody's talking about it. Nobody no. cares. It's like, nah, he's afraid. Just let it go. It's Bryce Young's. His his physical stature has become the biggest type of is this? because the silly season we need narratives we need headlines and this is a damn good one. Uh, is yep. this also is this also <laughs> because no one can evaluate quarterbacks well? So they're like, look, I'm a hundred percent right that he's skinny. Like, yeah. right, that's right, one right. thing I can say, and no matter what I say, I know I'm right. The great Bill Walsh always said, <laughs> very few people can evaluate the quarterback 
position and even fewer can coach the quarterback position and he's still he's he's more accurate the, the more and more we get deeper into this quarterback evaluation the more accurate Bill Walsh was then back in the back in the 80s right. when he threw that out there he's totally right nobody knows what the hell they're doing when it comes to quarterback which is why we fixate on these measurables and these tangibles when in fact we all know the quarterback position may be more about if not just as much about the immeasurables and the intangibles than it are about the things that you can actually quantify and for years they've always tried to turn the quarterback evaluation into a science when in fact it's an art form yeah. and they cannot recognize it in their football like football fixated brains won't allow them to think outside the box to look at it. And that they're doing it more to look at different skill sets and be able to visualize them playing quarterback with yeah. all these different body types, different skill sets, different athletic skills, all playing quarterback at a, in a successful way. But right. now we're starting to see more of it out, more diversity in skill set at quarterback, probably than any, any time in the history of the NFL. And this will be another one. Right, we got the Kyler Murray to break, kind of break through a lot of the stereotypes about quarterback. This will be another one. Lamar Jackson has done it. Josh Allen has done it. We keep getting more and more of these guys breaking through these QB stereotypes. And this will just be another one if Bryce Young can actually play, if he can play at the NFL level, which none of us, not even the guys in the NFL, none of us know. No, right. and uh, for the text you asked about Drew Brees, 61213 at the combine. 61213. Yeah, and six one thirteen at the combine. At the That's combine. Drew Brees was six one two thirteen at the combine. I thought he was under six foot at the combine. They said six one two thirteen. That is what mm. they have listed it for him at these right. That's very combine generous. results. I think that's, Drew slipped somebody a couple. Of I don't know how that. Hey, make sure you list But Kyler right. Murray's the same way. I don't yeah. know how Kyler Murray ended up growing like an inch. They got and them height coaches at the combine. You got yeah. them height coaches. Yeah, I don't know how that happened, but yeah, because I think Russell Wilson is under six foot. I don't know what he measured at the combine. But now I think he's considered under six foot. But guys, sh- guys yeah. grow and shrink around combine time. Who, do, who knows? Uh, let's talk about the Cowboys just really quickly, and then we'll get to some of my combine story. So I had, um, or at least I saw this story about Stephen Jones at the combine speaking, mm-hmm. of, and he was being asked about the Dallas Cowboys and their present situation, and he was asked about Dak specifically, and had some really uh, complimentary things to say about his quarterback. I mean, come on, man. He was asked. About, yeah. <laughs> It is a must-like situation. It's like when your wife asks you, does she look fat in this dress? No, you don't look fat in that dress. You look amazing. Beyonce needs to step aside and let you walk that damn red carpet, baby, because you look amazing. You better quit it. Yeah. You better quit it, Every boy. man knows how that works out. My wife has never looked fat in any dress ever. Okay? And Dak Prescott addressed Stephen Jones um, when they asked him, is he a quarterback that can lead you to a Super Bowl. He said, quote, I've got all the faith in the world that we can win this thing with Dak. And why? Because we know him. We know what he's about. His leadership skills are undeniable. Impeccable work ethic. Other Impeccable. than he hadn't won. I love this. Other than he hadn't won some key <laughs> playoff games. He's everything you want in a quarterback. From the day he walked in the door, he's won a lot of games. We just got to get over the hump. Man. How big is that hump, Harge? Are we talking about a hill, a mohill? We talking about lady lumps, humps? Are we talking about Rocky Mountain humps? Like, what's the hump? How big is this hump? Well, most people like to think that it's Mount Everest. (laughs) (laughs) But I like to look at it as a camel. Uh, I'm looking at a camel hump. I like that. Couple humps. Couple humps. (laughs) Because we've had them ups and we've had them downs. (laughs) (laughs) That is very true. That is very true. Uh, Stephen Jones was also asked about the Cowboys uh, getting past the divisional round, and he said this, quote, I'll try to get it right, quote, I think we got to be one click better. I mean, we're right there. 
and we just we've had some things. If a couple of things go our way, then you're in it. But at the end of the day, we've got to have our key guys. They've all got to play one click better. We've all got to be one click better. We've got to make the team one click better. We've got to coach one click better. We got to our key guys got to play one click better. If we're going to, I mean, we have to. We have to take the next step. We're going to be a good football team. Obviously, I think the regular season wins. I think maybe the Chiefs have as many or a little bit more. So we're both playing at a high level consistently. It's just unfortunately we get in the playoffs and just not winning the key game. So they're just like the Chiefs. They just have Until to get. they're not. <laughs> <laughs> they're just like the Chiefs, except they have to get one click better. There you go. One click better over the hump. Whatever, baby, and I and I I truly believe, and I've said this before. I think, that, and I don't know if it's intentional or deliberate. I'm not sure. The Dallas Cowboys ownership, through Stephen Jones and Jerry Jones, they're great at gaslighting Cowboys fans. They're really good at doing it. I don't like I said I don't know if they're doing it on purpose. Don't know if it's intentional. All right, but they do a really good job of gaslighting Cowboys fans essentially into making them question their own sanity, question their own rational world they're living in and they do it just as guilty as everyone else yes and i i went back i, I found this study that was done this was done by uh, a bet online all right so it was done based on tweets from cowboys fans and different nfl fans across the nfl and they looked at the month after arian foster made his comments about the nfl being scripted or whatever and right. they they looked at that month because it became a big topic of discussion and went viral and they looked at what fan bases in tweets used fixed and rigged. Those two words the most. You know what fan base used them the most? I can only imagine. They have to be in that northern part of the state of Texas. Cowboys fans. Of course. And it's because y'all have been gaslighted so much. Y'all been gaslit so much that I don't lit. think Cowboys fans know actually if they're coming or going. This is something I believe to be true. Cowboys fans... Of all NFL fan bases, they may be the quickest to criticize their own team and also the quickest to take up for their own team and say, we're going to the Super Bowl or we can win it all. Yeah. I don't know if there is any fan base quicker to, I don't know, the maybe they mistake privilege and persecution, (laughs) Uh, whatever it is, but no fan base I think is more turned around about the perception of their team than the Cowboys, and I think it's because of Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones. They know the NFL is a television event. They know the NFL is basically a television show, the best and most watched television show in America, and they know they are the biggest star on the biggest TV show, and all they got to do to keep their fans engaged is keep throwing out just uh, chum mm-hmm. pretty much in that's the all it is that's all it is that's like, all it is whether you're talking about the glory hole or we like to be in the middle that's where we are we're in the middle we or you're talking about guys. circumcising mosquitoes or yeah. we like our guys you get so caught up in what Jerry Jones trying to decipher translate what he's saying that you really never even get to the root right of what was said mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very I don't know it's, it may be just brilliant Maybe it's just brilliant, and we're all the ones who are trying to play catch-up here. But It's not brilliant, Rod. I think it is, because like I said, I think you guys are being gaslit. No, I think we need to take a step back and stop listening and start watching. That's the thing. Like, as a Cowboy fan, still support your squad. I'm going to still support them. I'm going to still be there for them. But I'm not buying into the hype anymore. 
until you move forward, until you get that one more click and you could be like the Kansas City Chiefs that you keep comparing yourself to, until you can get to that mountaintop, not believing in it anymore. Not purchasing more gear. I already ordered everything for the year already. But I don't want <laughs> not buy anymore. <laughs> That's why you're not purchasing my gear. Because I'm guess, good for next year. I just said, like I said, there's a reason the Cowboys are the number one entertainment entity, basically, in yeah. sports in America. Yeah. And they haven't won necessarily a ton of games. But even him him saying, oh, we're, we're, we're basically where the Kansas City Chiefs are. Yeah. Just we got to win when but it you're counts. Not. And it's like, no, you're not. You're not, no. But it's the same group that started, you know, Jerry Jones started a quarterback controversy out of nowhere. Right. From Cooper Rush getting to start games. And so I do think there is an element of the Cowboys' propaganda that I don't, I don't know if it's deliberate or intentional, but they do keep the fans on, they kind of keep you on edge, the Cowboys fans. Yeah, and you don't. That's why I said. That's why you guys are always quick to criticize. Like we had a discussion about it can't be both Dak and Kellen Moore can't be trash, right? Because we kept hearing Cowboys say, "Oh, Kellen Moore is trash. He's terrible," and then, "Oh, Dak sucks." It's like, okay, they're a top five offense. They can't both suck. So make up your mind which one sucks and which one actually is you know above average or which one is serviceable. Right. They can't both be terrible. But Cowboys fans they have that logic in their heads, and I think a lot of it is, like I said you guys are dealing with battered fan syndrome. Yeah, but hey, it's better than being a Texans fan, That's which I am. No, it's, at least you know who you are. Yeah, I know we're terrible. I would much <laughs> rather know that and be good no, with it. No, no, you'd rather be delusional. Be, I'm, yeah. No, I don't want to be delusional. You won't hope. I work too hard for this. No, we're hopeless. You have hope. You don't want to be hopeless. No doubt. You. We're hopeless. You. you don't want to be hopeless. Trust no, me. You got Patrick, hope now. Patrick left the fan base because we were hopeless. You don't want to be hopeless. I'd rather be But gas- is there hope now? I'd rather be gaslit than be hopeless. Is anytime. there hope now, though? Yeah. There's okay. hope. See? That's, that's hope. why I'm down. Yeah, that's hope. I might be over there with y'all. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> All right, come back. We'll talk about my combine experience, and I'll talk about the, in- yeah. the history of the NFL combine. All that more right here on Ball Don't Lie, wonderful Nine Horn. Time is mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite. And start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God! Okay, it's happening. Everybody, stay calm. Bro, oh, you've done it now. It's time for Rod's rant of the day. Hold on to your butt. All right, welcome back to Rod's rant of the day. I want to probably be quick here about the history of the NFL Combine. If I have time, I'll get to my personal, you know, testimony about my time at the NFL Combine. If not, I'll get to it tomorrow. No worries. But talk about the NFL Combine and the history of it. So initially, it started out as. The uh, National Invitational Camp, 1982. First time, by the way, Tech Shram. Shout out to Tech Shram because he wouldn't have the brilliant idea of, guys, we got to quit flying prospects all over the damn country all right, for individual workouts with teams. And they could have upwards of, I don't know, 10 of these workouts prior to the NFL draft. And it was very costly. And not to mention, it was, in terms of a time management, it was not hugely efficient as well. So Tech Shram said, we need to centralize the evaluation process. We need to have just one central location to evaluate all these prospects. In 1982, the NFL listened to the great Tech Shram and decided, all right, the National Invitational Camp in 1982. And they did it uh, originally um, as a way to get medical evaluation. That was the main reason was to get medical evaluations for players. 
and they wanted to try to get psychological evaluations and to meet all the players. So they really, and x-rays were the biggest issue because in football you break a lot of bones, and they wanted to get x-rays on guys who had already sustained you know, traumatic injuries already and try to figure out, all right, how durable could this guy be at the next level before we invested him. So 1982 and 1983, they had the NIC, National Invitational Camp. They invited 163 players, and that was in uh, Tampa. So basically before they went to Indianapolis, they had three different locations where they had the National Invitational Camp. In 1982 and 1983, it was in Tampa. It was in New Orleans in 1984. In 1986, and it was in Arizona in 1985. Now, the problem with Arizona, and I believe Tampa was, they did them outside. And one one of the uh, most famous instances of uh, basically outside conditions affecting performance was Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice ran a 40-yard dash, and they probably people said he ran against a headwind, and that's where you get the famous four six something forty from Jerry Rice. Right, and that and was people a, mad about. Yeah, it. people were upset about that because he was a big time prospect, and so he decided we need more controlled, more of a controlled environment to have the the NFL Combine, and that's when he decided on Indianapolis. Now, that was in 1987 uh, where they had the first organized NFL Combine, 1987. And prior to and, and it was it was really a understated kind of uh, under the radar event for the most part. The invitee stayed at a Holiday Inn yep, at the yep, Union yep. Station. Only three team, uh, sorry, three league officials were there. A handful of reporters and Pete Ward, who was the CEO of the Colts at the time, said we treated like Fort Knox. Uh, when they had it there at the Hoosier Dome. So no fanfare, no media storm. I mean, this was basically you know, what the NFL decided was that they wanted to have things at a centralized location, um, and they didn't even know at the time if they were going to be able to get all the players to kind of want go to one location because they had three or four different combines that they – Joined that they basically decided that they were going to uh, join into one major combine. It ended up being in Indianapolis because Dr. Don Shelbourne, who was the physician for the Colts, right when they made the move from Baltimore to Indianapolis, he was traveling to all of these different combines or, and, and different workouts and different camps around the country just representing the Colts and trying to get medical information for them. And he said, not only do we need to have it at a centralized location like Tech Shram uh, predicted, or at least like Tech Shram suggested, we should do it in Indy. Because Indianapolis had hotels within walking distance of a dome. You needed a dome, number one. Yep. Hotels within walking distance of the dome and an airport that was 10 minutes away. So he said Indianapolis would be a great place to have it. And they agreed because it's never really moved. Now, the main reason was just medical testing, x-rays, but of course, they started out, there was no player interviews at first, that was added, and then more and more drills were added as the combine grew more and more expansive. Now, the NFL has decided they're going to, it's a made-for-TV event now, and NFL has decided they're going to move it. It is now open for open bidding for the first time mm. in the history of the combine. They announced this year, 2023, Dallas, L.A., and Indianapolis are the three main cities who will be winning or awarded the NFL Combine in the future. 
Hello, Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones, essentially, exactly. built, he built Frisco for this. Exactly. Jerry Jones is, is, is the head of the Owners Association, and he knew about this probably five years before it happened. Hello. So Jerry Jones built Frisco for this. So it's a good chance that the Cowboys, <laughs> if they don't win the initial bidding, then they'll get it the year after. The oh, Cowboys if, if are going to get the combine. If they don't get it uh, the initial get. one, Jerry's going to lose his mind. Yeah, no, no, they'll get it. They'll, yeah. Well, because Frisco's perfect for it. Exactly. Everybody's been to Frisco. Frisco yeah. is tailor-made for a combine event such as this. I'm staying there this uh, weekend. There you go. <laughs> um, and until 1970s, teams typically didn't give physical exams to draft picks. Uh, the Jets, actually, J-E-T-S, just, just Jets, they became one of the first NFL teams to invite seniors all right, to their team headquarters for physical exams and interviews. It's a copycat league, and the NFL decided that's a really good idea. We're going to copy that. So a lot of other teams around the NFL started copying that model, and NFL prospects would travel from city to city, and um, they would do interviews and physical exams. But as you would imagine, this is highly inefficient and expensive for this to be commonplace. So Tech Schramm was the one that had the really good idea to centralize it all. Now, at first, it was blessed. This was a uh, this was one of the main organizations for prospect evaluation. All right. And testing. And Blesto stood for Bears, Lions, Eagles and Steelers Mm -hmm. talent organization. Blesto. All right. And they also had Quadra Scouting back in the day. Um, There was also the National Football Scouting Incorporated. That was the one actually that was the biggest scouting entity at the time. So all of these different organizations that were running their own camps, they decided TechSram as a good idea. So they actually combined forces in 1982 for the first time. Uh, they combined forces. And then in 1987, they finally got it right. They got all of these different scouting entities on board, and they all decided to contribute to the main scouting combine in 1987 in Indianapolis. And then from then on, it's been a a huge success, of course. So successful, in fact, that the NFL in 2003, when they launched NFL Network, decided NFL Network would be the first media entity to cover the uh, combine with television access. Mm. And they actually put it on uh, the NFL Network. And they thought, we just need content. We don't think anybody's actually going to watch it. And what it did was essentially it provided, not only was it, first of all, a combine was an original idea, right? And it was essentially to save time and money. As I said, that was the whole point of it. But then they, essentially the NFL turned it into an idea and a concept that not only could generate revenue with the NFL network now, but also would reaffirm and create interest, new interest in their game. Yep. It basically saves time, but also takes up space. Remember I told you guys before about the, 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 the sports uh, sports calendar and the NFL is big about dominating the sports calendar. They own the most valuable entities on the sports calendar. Think of it, the sports calendar like a monopoly board. The most valuable property on monopoly board, Park Place, Boardwalk, Pennsylvania Avenue, Pacific Avenue, North Carolina Avenue. Don't ask me why I know all that. But <laughs> the NFL owns all that territory because they own September, October, November, December, January. Talking about fall and winter where everybody's inside. They own Yep. Those months are theirs. They sh- they share Sunday with God. Hello. That's it. <laughs> Hello. They share Sunday with God. It is the number one entertainment product in America. Period. And the NFL knows this. And basically, they decided that we're going to boss hog more of the sports calendar. And the combine allows them to steal some property in March. Yes, no. March belongs to college basketball, but the NFL, we're going to steal a week.
Yeah. Yeah, it's yours, college basketball. We're going to steal a weekend because the NFL is America's favorite game, and the fans crave it. So in March, we're focused on college basketball. The one month out of the year we like college basketball, we all take a reprieve and go, what's happening with that combine over there, though? To the point where now ESPN is airing the combine in prime time. It's a prime time event. Prime time. People just working out in underwear. The Underwear Olympics is a prime time event. So what it also did was it reaffirmed America's obsession with the game. Their addiction to the game. If I went, if they'll watch guys working out who haven't even been drafted yet over a team, then we know America's obsessed with this game. Let's see how obsessed they are. And they, and they keep growing the coverage of the combine, and we keep watching more of it. So they, 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 make, it, that, make it in front of the uh, XFL. Yeah, exactly. And now, <laughs> exactly. And now they've decided they're going to make it not only a made-for-TV event, but it also will become a fan, a fan fest extravaganza. That's why they're going to move it, like they did the draft. Right, the draft. At one time, the draft was centrally located in New York City, yep. and the NFL figured out, you know what, people want to go to the draft. Why? I have no idea, but they want to go. They're that obsessed with our league and our product. And, and their team. And, and, and their team. Yep. And that's why now the NFL draft, the NFL draft weekend, it rivals Coachella. I'm not making that up. The NFL draft weekend in, uh, in 2019 in Nashville had over, had six, over 600,000 fans attend the draft. Dang. Coachella don't have that many. South by Southwest don't have that many people go to it. Essence Festival, you name it. Nobody got numbers like that. Hold on, man. That's just random people. More than the Essence Festival. More than the Essence Festival, Coachella, you name it. Come on, man. NFL's doing them kind of numbers with their fan fest now. And they want to turn now the combine into what the draft has become. A traveling fan festival. And they're going to bring it to a door near you. And Jerry Jones like, come on, bring it to me. (laughs) You know, they had the the draft in Dallas. 200,000 people went to the draft. In the draft in Dallas when they had it there. Yep. Like I said, more than Coachella. Come on now. As I said, the NFL knows now that we're obsessed with this because the Combine proves it. Because the Combine, really, if the NFL is the most watched television show in America, then the draft and the Combine are spinoffs. Is draft, is the draft, draft and the Combine free? are spinoffs. They're basically the House of the Dragon, Better Call Saul, and the Jeffersons. It is a, a money-making hit spinoff from the NFL. And, and then the draft, yeah, you got to pay for it to go. you got to okay, pay for okay, access all and all that right. kind of stuff. But, I mean, the NFL, they will pay for it. Yep. It's, a, it's a money maker. It generates revenue. But also, it continues to cultivate interest in the game. It's a football convention now, too. Coaches go, coaches and agents all go to it. It's a four-day made-for-TV primetime event, media extravaganza, trade show, and coaches convention all in one. And they want to turn the draft and the combine both into that, that those types of events. And they've done a really good job with it. So, like I said about this combine, and we'll get into kind of the issues with the combine as the week goes on. But the NFL has done a really good job of making the combine a made-for-TV event in the middle of a month where there's no football. Right. And we were we two weeks, three weeks away from the end of the Super Bowl. So they extended the regular season, extended the postseason, and now they're just creeping closer and closer <laughs> to March. You only got two weeks, two, three weeks without football before we start talking about the combine. And then you'll have, what, two or three weeks again before we start talking about the draft. The NFL smart And then two or three weeks when you start talking about mini camps. And free agency. OTAs. They've been able to spread it agency. out really, really yeah. well. Yeah. The biggest issue with the combine, this is partly why DeMar Smith wants it abolished, um, which I don't necessarily agree with totally. But you can make it a more uh, politically correct event. 
because uh, remember they started. She stopped asking all the crazy questions at the combine, like you know, do you do you find your mom attractive, or are you attracted right, right. to men? All those inappropriate questions that would be workplace violations in any other uh, you know walk of life or any other profession. So they've stopped that. That probably stopped probably three or four years ago. They don't ask those offensive, inappropriate questions during the interview process anymore. But the truth is, these players they're in purgatory when they get to the combine. They don't have a representation in the NFL Players Association, and they don't have representation by the NCAA because they're no longer student athletes. So they're in this purgatory, and the NFL has taken advantage of it. They've abused that purgatory because they know what these guys going to complain about. If I if I tell you that you need to go have a four-hour medical evaluation, who are you going to complain to? Your right. agent? I don't right. give a damn. You're not a player yet. Who, who who would represent you when you go? Yep. Yeah, but I've been I've, I've been in medical evaluation for two hours. I don't want to do it for two more hours. Who are you complaining about that to? Nobody. Yep. Who do you complain about when they ask you? Uh, is your mom is your mom a prostitute? Who do you complain about that to? Nobody. There's nobody. Yep. That's nowhere to go. There is no recourse. So they want to try to clean up the process a little bit and infuse it with some more some dignity. Yeah, it should be. Yeah, because, I mean that's what it's about. Because any yeah. other situation, somebody's jumping across that table if you talk crazy exactly. to them. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> one 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 player got punched in the chest. Yep. No, no, I'm not joking. He got punched in the chest when he walked in for an interview, and they said we want to see how you would react to getting punched <laughs> in the chest. He got assaulted. Yeah. And they were like, "This because rules, you know, they, they there don't are no rules right now. There are no rules. I'm 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 filing." Yeah. Uh, I'm right. following. We'll come back. We'll get into a little, uh, little oh, some bad news and an update on LeBron James' injury and also an injury that's affecting the Austin FC. All that and more right here on Ball Don't Lie, wonderful nine horn. Welcome back. The ball don't lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. It is uh, top of the charts Tuesday. We play jams that reach the top of the Billboard charts on this day in history. Oh, this oh. Paul Abdul. Paul Abdul. Is this opposites attract? Yes, his opposites attract. Oh wow, this is the uh, animated video with oh, what's the character's Come name? Come on, you know it. Oh, MC Scat Cat. MC Scat Cat. That's wow. right. Wow, I cannot believe you played it. What, what, what was the reason you played this? Just came up in it's, your it's, research. It's, yeah. Wow, because we've had MC Scat Cat references on this show we multiple have. times. We have. It's. Can't I mean, he's the best cartoon rapping cat. <laughs> Very specific there. Very specific, Very specific I love, there. I believe they were going to try and market and make MC Scat Cat a thing. Oh, like, get, like a whole album with MC well, Scat no, Cat? Well, no, like do like a, a show and everything. They could have done that. I think they were going to try and do that. And everyone's like, yeah, it's a music video. Like, we're not going to. No one cares that much about MC Scat Cat. Yeah, it's like, what's his background? Do you have the origin story for MC Scat Cat? Is it that? Is it like Heathcliff? Or, I would yeah. say there was a market for a cartoon cat back in the day between yes. Garfield, Heathcliff. Tom, there's, there's a lot of cartoon cats yes. out there. So I think they're saying, you know but what? But not, not a rapping cat. <laughs> exactly. That was his niche. That was going to be his niche, man. MC Scat Cat. And then you have Paul Abdul would be his woman, I'm assuming, because they were getting together in the video. Yeah. So I mean, the opposite of tracks. But I, that may yeah. be why it fell apart. Paul Abdul was like, that, that's the other deal. Is I wonder if they were like selling a duet to Paul Abdul. And she's like, yeah, I ain't doing it with nobody. She's like, yeah. yeah make I up a cartoon it. character. Hey, she should have took that money, man. That would have been easy money back in the day. Come on, Paul. All right, there you go. Uh, a couple of stories here because we don't have a ton of time. LeBron James is dealing with an injury. Uh, this story was reported yesterday. He's going to be out for multiple weeks with a right foot injury. So it is. he sustained this in the Dallas Mavs game. Remember, he went down, claimed that he hurt something, either pop in his foot, 
and he still continued to play. Scored 26 points against the Mavs, led them to a victory, at least one of the biggest reasons they won that game after being down 27 points. But Patrick, he's out for a few, a multiple weeks. By the way, reevaluating in two weeks. There's multiple weeks left in the season. Yeah, so reevaluating they, two weeks. They, they got no D'Angelo shot. Russell's hurt. Oh, uh, too? And they're relying on Street Clothes Davis to get him through the rest of the year. <laughs> street Clothes. <laughs> okay, what if what if Anthony Davis? What if he in this moment ends up leading this team into the playoffs? Well, would good you, on would him. You, would you would you change the the, he's the, really the nickname to Street? Hey, no, street no, because he's still. Else? I mean, he's got to play more games than he's missed. I don't know if he's done that. No, you're right. He, he, yeah, since they had that championship run, it seems like Anthony Davis has been on the decline, and it's been a quick one. Uh, for the Lakers. But the Lakers, not going to make the playoffs. Oh, but here's an update also for Austin FC fans. Meant to get to this, too. Uh, Julio Cascante. Uh, it is also uh, being reported that he's going to be out for multiple weeks as well because of the injury he sustained in the Austin FC loss to St. Louis FC. So they got to get Kip Keller up to speed, and they got to do it right away. Or they may decide to go acquire some um, some help and some support um, for the center fielder. All right, we'll come back. We'll get into – actually, we got one more segment, then we're off for Texas baseball uh, and their matchup versus LSU. All that and more right here on Ball Don't Lie, Horn. I'm too sexy for my love, too sexy for my love. Love's going to leave Welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. This is the perfect song to play because I believe people are listening to this right now at UFCU getting ready for the actual Texas baseball game versus LSU. I guarantee people are jamming right now. Oh, they're They're jamming in the hallways. They're in their cars right now like, oh, this is my jam back in the day. Why is this song so adored? It still is to this day. I don't know. And, you know, today I think it's across all kind of subsections too. I mean – you see black people, Asian people, white people. We all kind of like this song. I mean, it is it's just it is. silliness it's a, enough. Yes. And the guy delivers it so straight. Exactly. No, nobody, no, exactly. Nobody's criticizing this song for being something that it should have been yeah. or something. It's like, no, no, it is. It, it is good for what it is. And <laughs> I don't know if he's mocking it with his straight I don't delivery. Think, do, you know, do you know the name of the band? Right said Fred. That is correct. I don't know why I know that. Because this this song. You have to know it's it's so ingrained <laughs> in our culture. We I, 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 when that song comes on, people genuinely like it. They genuinely have a good time. Like, oh, I'm too sexy. Yeah. You all know it. I know it. I remember the, the video and it was like a black and white video, was it not? I think they went, yeah, I, I think, think it, it kind of went and both white. and forth. Uh, and yeah, they went back and forth on that. Man, right said Fred, I'm too sexy. All right. I like the vibe of that one, Patrick. Great. That's a great one. Get us in a happy mood. It's a great way to end the show and to, to lead us into our last segment, which is uh, the last segment before we give you up to Texas baseball. Craig Way on the call. I believe a hard set Ty Harrington. Coach, I believe that's what he said. Coach said, yeah. Ty going to be on the call with him. Oh, that's going to be fantastic! Can't wait for that. Uh, sure, all the uh, the Cajun folks out there, the Swamp people. That is not me trying to uh, talk trash to LSU folks. My family, my mom and dad, both in Louisiana, both proud Swamp people. So I'm half Swamp people. They out there ready to go, and they've been here in Central Texas for a while because they were at the Carbot Classic for what was that three games? Whatever they played yeah. there, they won the Carbot Classic actually, and I believe they stayed here in Central Texas somewhere. And the LSU uh, faithful have been here representing, and of course uh, they want revenge on the Longhorns. So uh, that's going to be really cool. Oh, how about this one? How about this texter? Oh, this is crazy. Says Future has a version of Too Sexy. Future uh, re no. Future covered. 
The right said friend, hey, too sexy? I don't know how that works out. I'm going to have to listen to that. Wow. Okay. Thank you for that, Texter. Also, same Texter says Stimpy is the best cartoon cat hands down. That's a bold I, statement, bro. I, yeah, That's but I bold. Don't, I know when I get that Stimpy is a cat and Ren is a dog, I get it. But they're not, are they? No, they don't look like it. I don't no. know what they are. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> exactly hey, man, this is there. coming from someone with Ren Stimpy pajamas when I was a kid. <laughs> Come for me. Oh no! What's the? Uh, isn't there a famous cat now that's got a good movie? In the Puss in Boots. Yeah, but come is that on. A cat? Isn't that a yeah, cat? Yeah, yeah. All right, there you go. That's a famous no. cat. But he's not better than. Can he rap better than MC Scat Cat? No, honestly, the best cartoon cat. I'm at the. Man, I'm probably going to go with. Oh, this is. I'm probably going to go with Heathcliff. Underrated. Heathcliff underrated. Heathcliff was. Uh, you know, he was a man about town. He had a girlfriend. I remember that. I like that about him. Not all the cartoon cats had girlfriends. Tom did. Yeah. Tom and Jerry had a girlfriend he'd bring around every now and then. I like the fact that, you know, he seemed like a ladies' man, Heathcliff. Yeah, I'm and, trying to think. I'm trying he, to think about it. Heathcliff could fight, too. Yeah. Heathcliff could fight. Like, people, they would try to, he'd go to the junkyard, he'd fight all the junkyard cats and stuff, man. I feel like Sylvester is underrated a little bit. Sylvester is underrated. This is true. I feel I'll like he's the that. biggest cat. <laughs> he might be able to actually fight MC Scat Cat. Scat Cat. Definitely MC Scat Cat. Do you know uh, MC Scat Cat apparently was played by two people? They required Why? two Why? people to sing that part. Why? That's exactly. <laughs> Talk about overpaying for, for a performance. They, 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 two people play that? Oh, some people say Simba is the best cartoon cat. They're probably right about that. I mean, it is a big cat, but technically. Well, it's Mufasa then. Uh, Mufasa was way cooler than Simba. That's true. That's a good point. I mean, other than the dying part, really good. <laughs> spoiler alert, everyone. Spoiler alert. If you haven't seen that really old movie. Oh, I love how we get deep into these conversations. <laughs> Craig Way, I guarantee you, has something to say about this, too. He'll probably yeah. text me pretty soon. No, he's going he's gonna to tell us a cat that we've never heard of uh, yeah. that actually is the best cartoon cat. <laughs> some mascot from West Texas, <laughs> from some uh, local shop there in West Texas or something. All right. Uh, we got Texas baseball coming up. Uh, tomorrow, I can preview a little bit of tomorrow's show and some of the things we're going to get into. I will give my combine experience at the NFL Combine since this week is Combine Week. We'll get into that a little bit. Also, we'll discuss more Texas football spring storylines. Ian Boyd over at Inside Texas had a really interesting article about that. We'll get into that a little bit more, too. And I promise you more NFL news notes and nuggets. New rule proposals for the NFL. The competition committee is meeting. So we'll talk about that. And Derek Carr meeting with teams at the NFL Combine. We'll dive into that. And is there an epidemic in college football of coaches leaving the college football landscape, which has become more and more difficult to navigate for coaches with the transfer portal and with NIL, uh, with the, the new calendar changing for the coaches with early signing period and all that kind of stuff. Is it just easier to be an NFL coach if you want to coach ball? And are we seeing a mass exodus of college coaches leaving for the NFL? We definitely noticed a trend, but is it something that is an alarming pattern? Is it an excess? We'll talk about that. There's an interesting conversation being had right now in college football about that and having that conversation. So we'll do that too coming up tomorrow as well. All right. If you missed any part of the end of the shows, please go to hornfm.com and you can catch up with them on the podcast page. Uh, my man, uh, uh, Mike Harsh did a great job on Harsh Knock Life interviewing Ben McDonald, Big Ben McDonald. Uh, that interview will be posted at hornfm.com. And yesterday he broke down Texas LSU, which we're about to witness. Uh, he broke that down 
down in uh, specificity, in great detail, in Harsh Knock Life yesterday. So you can go check that out, too. All right, what's on tap for you coming up, uh, my man Patrick? I'm going to watch this UT baseball game. I do want to point out, if you said Thundercats and didn't say Lion-O, ah! I'm no credit. No credit for just Thundercats. But Lion-O is the guy, man. How did I miss Thundercats? I know. I missed it, too, but it's Lion-O. Lion-O is the lead dude in Thundercats, so that makes him the guy. I apologize, guys. It should have definitely been Thunderclats. Thundercats should have been... Yeah, it, was it Shatara? Was she the fine Thundercat? I think she was a fine Thundercat. Oh, she was sexy. Yeah. yeah she was one of my favorite cartoon ladies Thunder, out there. Lionel could definitely beat up MC Scat Cat. Uh, Hands yeah. down. Now, he did kind of resemble like a person with a cat face. But hey, it's okay. That's it's like that movie Cat. So, not the movie, the, the play. <laughs> well, it was a movie, too. It was a movie, too. It was a very creepy movie, but just yes. like the uh, the play Cats. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I want to thank my man, Patch, for doing a great job. I want to thank you guys out there for listening and participating. Remember, the revolution will not be televised, but we're talking about it right here on Ball Don't Lie. Texas baseball coming up next versus LSU. Craig Wade, the voice of the Longhorns and the legend on the call with Ty Harrington, the coach. Uh, we'll be right back tomorrow same time same place peace